0: Coming up this hour, uh, where was God this week in the midst of the horrific school shooting? And then, is hypocrisy actually something that points to God? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AIM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian From. Aubrey, it's Friday, it's Memorial it's Friday. Day Weekend. It's the it's the most Illinois Chicago Memorial Day weekend ever. It's 60 degrees today. It's supposed to be 95 degrees on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: that is so that's so Chicago. Wow. It, 95 degrees on Monday.
0: It's what okay. we do around here. So we can never have it nice. So we're glad that you're with us. If you've missed any of the show this week, uh, go back and get our podcast wherever it is. You get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. We really do appreciate that. And Aubrey, yeah, anyone who's been listening at all this week, Mm. uh, much like our country in general, uh, the show has been dominated by talk of that horrific school shooting uh, in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, and to be honest with you, and I don't want to get into the details, but it just keeps getting worse. Like I know
1: it's awful. awful the stories
0: awful. about when, like, did the police go in? What happened there? Yeah. The anguish yep. of the parents. Yep. That yep. story of the of the one of the teachers who died. Her husband died of a heart attack yesterday, mm. kind of from mm. you know a broken heart. Uh, all of it is sorrow upon sorrow, and you're hearing from kids who are in the school and. Uh, It's so devastating. It is. And we continue to pray. We continue to try to wrestle with like, what are the right answers? What can be done? Uh, But Aubrey, I do think there is a foundational question that we all have to, I think everybody, I would suggest Christians and non-Christians are wrestling with this week. I would say if you aren't wrestling with this, you're probably not being honest with yourself Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I saw somebody just tweeted this the other day, who I follow, who is uh, just a sports guy. He's not a Christian at all. In fact, he says, I don't believe in God. And he just said, how can anyone believe in God after something like this? And he asked Mm. people, he said, where was your God? Mm. And I really do think as pastors, as parents, as just Christ followers ourselves, trying to answer that question, that is really one of the biggest questions whenever yeah. there's a pain, course, whenever there's struggle, course. and and when there's horrific pain and tragedy like this, it only amplifies that question. So, Aubrey, how, how do we wrestle with that question? Uh, first of all, do you think that is an important question to wrestle with? And how do you start to answer the where was God this week as these kids were being murdered? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it is certainly an appropriate question to be asking. And I, I think you're absolutely right, Brian, that a little bit you're in denial if you're not if that hasn't crossed your mind, then maybe Mm -hmm. you're not actually like dealing with the reality of evil of what happened. Um, and I, I think it's a very, very fair question to ask, uh, where is God? Um, in some instances though, it is a wrong understanding of God because Mm. a question like that immediately assumes that God is, um, deistic, like impersonal, that God is far away, that God is somehow a a puppet master God who just sort of goes around where he pleases, pulling strings, not pulling strings, stopping things, not stopping things. And so, again, an understandable question, and I think a right question, but not a right understanding of God who, what we know from scripture, God is an Emmanuel God, and God is close to the brokenhearted, which means that believe it or not, God is right there. Mm -hmm. Like God was with those kids. God is within, in the aftermath. Like God is, is his presence. His spirit is right there. Now, the harder question I think then is, because what we're really asking when we say, where was God was, why didn't God stop it? And I don't know how to answer that, Brian. This is where it comes down to like faith is, uh, what does the scripture say? Faith is evidence of things unseen or no faith in the uh, I am misquoting scripture, which is never going to idea <laughs> for a pastor, but um, this is where it comes down to faith that like somehow God sees a bigger picture than we can see somehow there is a reality of evil that as we live in this already, not yet in between time will one day be vanquished, but for whatever reason, still God still allows evil to have some authority right now. I don't understand that at all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, And then um, that we also have to trust that, like, God is doing something and will do something in the midst of it. And I don't say that. I mean, if you could see my face as Brian and I are talking and even Brian's face, like, we don't say that with pith. Mm. We don't say that with ease. We say that knowing, like, this is one of those watershed moments where you're choosing faith when it's really, really hard and choosing, okay, God, you've said you're making all things new. You've said one day there'll be an end to evil. You've promised us the vision of Revelation 21. And so we're trusting and we're waiting and please prove yourself to be who you say you are, God, you know, that, that's what, that's what a week like this week and even, even last week with the other school shootings kind of call us to do choose faith when it feels yeah really you
0: were quoting and i don't want to be like the guy who's like oh let me quote what you couldn't say no please I, do
1: i was kind of I, asking I, uh, <laughs> I,
0: you were the pastor who couldn't pull it and i was the pastor who needed to google it hebrews eleven one. teamwork there you go hebrews 11 1. now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see uh, i think that's there where you're you searching for hebrews eleven one. i like how yes. you said they're choosing faith here choosing mm-hmm. to put our hope in the things that that scripture says are true that may not really yeah. feel true at the moment um because yeah. and, and i also think you're right like we want to be careful not to just give i think the words you use there it's just kind of pithy responses like oh just have mm-hmm. faith." Well, that's that's a choice that's a difficult thing to do yeah. and
1: yeah
0: it is uh i i also think uh as we said earlier this week, we trust that God is present in the midst of the pain, offering peace that passes understanding, offering comfort. Yep. And we also believe yep. that, uh, you know, uh, that God through Jesus Christ, that God is victorious, has defeated sin and death. You pointed to it yes. that there is coming a day when there won't be um, mass shootings and death and, yeah. uh, and all of this yeah. stuff. And we all wish you know, come Lord Jesus, we wish that day were now where these things mm-hmm. would happen. But 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 we're living in this time where there's still this brokenness and but but we can look forward to a day when that brokenness is no longer. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Yeah, well then right. you go, well, why doesn't he hurry up? Where is God? Well, God is also here. He says he's near yeah. to the brokenhearted. Uh he mm-hmm. is present. And and so um you know, we can hold on to that, but I, I do appreciate Aubrey that you help us see that it's not easy. It's a choice. It is.
1: Right. It's right. a
0: question that we all need to be asking. Uh Let. let
1: I think too, Brian. Yeah. Like we've, you know, we've had Mitchell Lee on the show before, who wrote that book, Even If, and I think this is one of those moments too, mm. where again, this is not easy. This is, um, this is probably one of the hardest moments of our faith. It's probably a very mature moment of our faith as well. Is. What you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. Okay, we know our God is mighty to save, but even if He doesn't, we're not going to bow down to mm. any other gods. We're not going to away from the God who's who loves us. Jeremiah says the same thing in Lamentations twenty one. Like all I can see around me is bitterness and gall, yet I uh, remember the Lord's faithfulness. And so this is one of those moments where we have to cling to our yet. Mm. Like okay, God, even if no good comes from this. And really what good could come from yeah. this God? Like, even if evil continues to seem like it's thriving, even if these things I'm praying for never change, even if unspeakable things continue to happen, yet I'm not going to bow down to any other idol. I'm not going to walk away from God. I'm going to cling to your faithfulness. And and at the end of the day, that really is, that's deep, mature yeah. faith. But that's just what it is. It's that's faith, a right? It's it's making a choice. Yeah,
0: even if that's a, that's a good word. So, thought we'd start today's show where we've spent a lot of it this week. Uh, how do we mm. wrestle with what we've seen happen down there in Texas? Continue to please be praying for those families, for that community, yes. and as Aubrey said, choose to cling to faith. Uh, one of Aubrey and I's favorite blogs to go to, pastors to quote, is Scott Sauls. And Scott mm. Sauls, he blogs at Scott Sauls com. He's got a new book coming out. It looks like in June. We'll have to get him on. It's called Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. That wow. sounds pretty good.
1: that sounds awesome. Yep.
0: So let me ask you the question that he starts this blog post with. Are you hmm. ready? Yeah. Have you ever stopped and marveled at how the Bible, including God's chosen family, is filled to the brim with screw-ups and sufferers? <laughs>
1: I I mean answer the
0: question for us
1: yeah I mean that's part of why my I wrote my book the louder song because it's all about the sufferers and I just think we have we just miss that. We neglect it. And then the screw up part too. I think we have like raised a lot of these biblical heroes to just that heroism. And in some sense, that's great. We, we should, but I think in some sense too, we forget that like they're idiots, just like we were just like we are, you know, and that's actually really good news, right? Because it means God can use people like us and redeem people like us and make things beautiful through people like us.
0: Yeah, yeah, he goes on to say, he reminds us of some of the stories. He says, the unfiltered stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, David, Peter, Paul, Mary Magdalene, and others might make the middle class and spirit person skin crawl. <laughs> wow. Even though they are all considered heroes of the faith in the Bible and throughout the centuries, these, quote, heroes have also been horrific parents to their children, loveless toward their siblings, promiscuous in their bedrooms, liars and deceivers, adulterers and murderers, Phobes and racists, blasphemous car- uh, cowards, and merciless aggressors. Mm. For further details, just pick up a Bible and start <laughs> reading. Wow. Uh, so, le- why does this matter? Yeah. Why is, because the Bible could have scrubbed itself and been like, yep. hey, everyone, our Jesus could have just come here and been with the Pharisees. Yep. Jesus could have been here. Yeah. Why does it matter? That some of the heroes of the faith are not just uneducated, Mm -hmm. not just the lowest on the social ring, like the fishermen and others, but they're legitimately criminal. They're legitimately, um, you know, lack integrity and character. They screw up. They're cowardly. They're prostitutes. They're whatever. The list could go on and on. Why does this matter?
1: I think part of why it matters is because the story is about God's goodness and God's sovereignty. What I mean by the story is the story of scripture and the story of the world. Uh, God's goodness, God's sovereignty, God's redemptive power, God's love, God's sacrifice of himself on the cross in the middle of us being idiots and sinful (laughs) and broken and terrible people. And this is why we need a savior, right? I also... Some people might disagree with me on this, but I also think a little bit it actually gives, in my mind, credit to the biblical narrative that it's very willing to talk about how terrible some of God's followers were. Because I, I think anybody trying to tell a story is actually going to like tell a false story of redemption, a false story of hope is actually going to manipulate the characters so that they're above board, above reproach, a perfect. But the fact that the Bible's like, you know, we're going to tell it like it really is to me actually gives credibility to the truth of scripture. Yeah. Now, I have heard, um, for instance, critics of the Bible, like uh, Nadia, not Nadia Bolts Weber, but um, Nadia Bolts Weber was in an interview with Dax Shepard on his really famous podcast, Armchair Expert. And he she was kind of saying that, hey, actually, this does lend credibility. And I don't agree with a lot of what she says, but she was saying this does lend credibility to the story. And he was like, that doesn't even make sense to me. It seems like, hey, it's 2022. Get rid of some of those stories because they Mm. make the Bible look bad. They make you Christians look bad. They make God look bad. But I don't see it that way. I (laughs) see it as God's goodness in spite of our depravity.
0: Yeah, uh, Saul's is right on with you. He says, the answer is that there are no such good people and there are no better ingredients. As scripture boldly states, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. All people, even the best people, he uses best in quotes, Mm -hmm. are sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. He says, if God is going to do anything good through human beings, he will have to do so in spite of our compromised ethics, mixed motives, and hypocritical realities. Wow. He goes on to say, I've often heard people say that they don't want to become Christians because Christians are hypocrites. They're right in their assessment. In fact, Mm. it is impossible to be a Christian and not be a hypocrite.
1: Wow! If by
0: hypocrite we mean someone who lives inconsistently with who they claim to be and what Mm. they claim to be. To believe. However, our hypocrisy does not negate our Christian faith. Instead, our hypocrisy establishes it. Like wow. that's the point. People like Dak Shepherd or others who, who want to say, no, the seedy characters, the bad people, the hypocrites, uh, they they make your Bible uh not worth listening to, and church, it makes you not worth listening to. That that misses the point. Like we yeah. as Christians should be pro- not not celebrating our hypocrisy, certainly, but proclaiming our hypocrisy because yeah. it, it, that then becomes the greatest proclamation of a little mm. word we call grace. Mm. Right, grace is God stepping in when we don't deserve yeah. it. Yeah, and Jesus pushes back so hard against the Pharisees because they believe they did earn it and they were mm. righteous. Mm. And the point of Scripture is, but I I do get where Dax Shepherd's coming from. If yeah. I were on the outside looking at it, going, "Hey, how about you guys scrub this yeah, clean a let's little get bit rid here?" Of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But here's the thing, people: churches are hypocritical. We yeah. are hypocritical. That doesn't yeah. mean we don't try to become less hypocritical. Right? Like right. I, it always bothers me when people like want to celebrate hypocrisy like it's a virtue right but instead though no, we're trying to rid ourselves of, of hypocrisy but we'll never do it perfectly it's yeah. it's out there yeah and uh and we just have to know that and and continue to proclaim the grace of God and right and and hopefully people see that grace and they're attracted to that grace
1: well and ultimately like this is why we need a savior I think this is what Sauls is getting at like when he calls hypocrisy the foundation of our faith or how did he say it like the Uh, the beginning of our faith something like that it is like if it were not for our hypocrisy we would be fine we would not need a savior outside of ourselves and so because of our hypocrisy we need jesus the only non-hypocrite to ever have walked on this planet and so i i think um in some sense, you're right. Like, how can we, this is where so much of the Christian faith comes down to paradox, doesn't it? Like own and admit our hypocrisy before the Lord while also trusting that because of the spirit's work in our life, we are becoming more than hypocrites, right? We are becoming who God says we are and that's new in Jesus. Mm. But we, so we don't celebrate our hypocrisy, like you said, but we're authentic enough people to be like, yeah, I'm a total hypocrite, which is why I need Jesus. And then I don't think I and then I don't think it has to be so scary when someone's like, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, yeah, like that's why we claim that we need a savior, right? Because I'm I am the worst of hypocrites. I am the worst.
0: There you go. Uh, He closes this way. It's gonna be a great book, by the way. This is out of his new book. He says, "A broken hallelujah is still a hallelujah. In fact, in the ears of God, it is a sweet sound. Mm. Through Jesus, the God who is holy, who lives in unapproachable light, and whose eyes are too pure to look upon uh, to look upon evil, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Mm. Even as He tends gently to their weary cries for mercy, and mm. as He welcomes us, He also empowers us to participate in His work. How amazing!" is that there it is the gospel wrapped up the grace of god wrapped up scott saul's thankful for him looking forward to his next book coming out here a little later on in june here's some weird stuff we found on the internet here's some more weird stuff we found on the web Aubrey, something we like to do on Fridays is to allow our executive producer, Keith Conrad, he he mines the internet, he he goes into that ugly, dangerous place we call the World Wide Web and he <laughs> finds
1: That's right. some of
0: the craziest stories, some of the most random stories he can find. We read the sight unseen, so the reactions you hear from us are are uh, are uh, those are our initial reactions? These are our first yes, responses. Right. Real
1: time reactions. Real time. Yes. And so
0: we're uh, gonna jump off this. Let me start. I'll do the first one. It's out of Michigan. Okay. You know what? Uh, Ian was from Michigan. You know what he always called Michigan? Every time, Uh-oh, every what? time I said from Michigan, he'd always go America's high five because you know it's shaped like a hand.
1: Oh, it's shaped like a hand. Or you could always call Cute. it America's
0: High Five. I remember going to Wheaton and people, I'd be like, where are you from? And they're from Michigan. And they'd hold yes. up their hand and point, And I'm like, I have no their idea hands. what you're doing
1: same Brian that was so like that was so culture shaping for me like I'm like what What the heck are you doing they'd be like hold up their hand be like I'm from here I'm like I don't know what you're (laughs) talking about took me a long time a long time to learn so
0: from Michigan America's high five dad returns overdue book to elementary school (laughs) after 40 years oh this guy's got (laughs) this guy's got a great name ready Pierre uh, Fazilari of Michigan has returned an elementary school library book he checked out over 40 years ago. Fazilari discovered the book, an anthology series titled Cloverleaf from an old box in his (laughs) parents' basement. He checked it out from Dresden (laughs) Elementary School when he was in the second grade and pulled it out of the box to read to his two daughters who now attend the same school. I pulled the old book out and I thought, I remember this one. And when I opened the page, it was stamped Dresden Elementary School. I was like, why would it say that? And then I realized it was probably from when I was in second grade and I never returned it. I thought I should probably bring it back. Fazilari told the principal about the book who said he was thrilled that the father of two took time out of his day to read to his children. Uh, I stated to him that I was not sure how big of a fine a 40-year-old book would be. Jokingly, I told him I'd have to figure that one out. Uh, Dresden Elementary School also uploaded a photo to Facebook of Fazalari with the book to his two daughters. Now, recently, Amazing. a British library said a book checked out over 60 years ago was returned after it was no. found at another library in Croatia. That's awesome.
1: This case has been turned over to our library investigations officer, Mr. Bookman.
0: Bookman. The library investigator's name is actually Bookman.
1: It's true. That's amazing.
0: That's like an ice cream man named Cone.
1: Come on. Okay, that is amazing. That is a great story. That reminds me, my son has an overdue school book that I need to return. There you go. Hopefully, I can do it before the end of this year and not 40 years. All right, here's a story out of Germany. Ooh. We don't do a lot of Germany stories. German farm owner saves fuel money with horse drawn carriage. <laughs> this is clever. Stephanie Kirchner's journey to work has got longer, but, she says, cheaper. She has left her SUV at home and switched to real horsepower. Stud farm owner and horse trader Kirchner, 33, says she decided it can't go on like this after fuel prices jumped following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Since I also suspected hay harvesting and everything else will become much, much more expensive, she said, we have to save a little money. So, she has switched to traveling the roughly 6 kilometers, the 3.5 miles, from her home in western Germany by (laughs) horse-drawn carriage. That turns a one-way trip from 10 to 15 minutes to as much as an hour, but Kirchner calculates that given how much fuel her Toyota SUV consumes, she saves about $264 per month if she can use horsepower every day. Her carriage, drawn by two horses, is popular with children and some others, but of course humanity is hectic, and then some people are annoyed if they can't get past me fast enough. She acknowledges that her answer to rising fuel prices isn't for everyone. I can't put a horse in a parking garage, she says. I think a lot more horse riders would do if opportunities were created for horses. Okay, this is funny because, Brian, I traveled to Indiana last week to speak at Uh a church retreat, and it was um, near some Amish, you know, communities and so of course the Amish people cruising down the road in their horse-drawn carriages or their buggies and I was like you know they've got it right right now like this is so brilliant because you're saving on all that gas money
0: that's not why the Amish do it but yes that is a good that (laughs) is not why they do it
1: but I I envied them in the moment let's go already
0: that's funny all right next one out of uh, Brazil uh, boy, nine years old, finds growling jaguar in school bathroom. My heart almost Mm-mm. stopped. A nine-year-old boy in Nova Lima, Brazil found a growling jaguar in a school bathroom. According to the paper, the boy, David Miguel, needed to use the potty during a soccer game Saturday when he came face-to-face with the animal. (laughs) Listen to his quote. I was trembling like jelly. It went grr, and my heart almost stopped. The youngster said he ran back (laughs) to his dad to report his finding. I thought it was going to be an ocelot, a wild dog, or something else. The moment I saw the animal was that size, I ran back, the dad said. Local authorities arrived at the school and tranquilized the jaguar who was deemed a young female yeah. the animal was released into the wild unharmed uh vet- the vet participated in the rescue and said deforestation is causing an increase of wild animals approaching oh. urban areas uh, what do you think post a comment that said We know this has been happening due to increased deforestation, large wildfires, and the destruction of the natural habitat of these animals. Mm. Then in their escape, they end up crossing into towns and cities. Two points to that story, Aubrey. One, that would be terrifying. terrifying i just proved i will read anything in front of me because there was a little thing that said (laughs) post a comment and i read it like it was part
1: of the story (laughs) i was laughing laughing about that i was laughing about that i was wondering if you catch that that is like
0: ron burgundy who just will read anything on the teleprompter
1: (laughs) you are officially ron burgundy you stay classy san diego i'm ron burgundy who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. Brian, I like. I don't want to see a regular no. cat in a public bathroom, let alone a jaguar. Whoa, like, I don't even think I would know that was a jaguar. Like, I think I'd be like, "What? That? That is a yes. large yes. wild animal." You know? Whew. Okay. Here's what's oh, of Florida. Excited. We it's know Florida. it's always, out of Florida. Yes. always good. Always good. All right, here we go. McMahon woman throws tantrum, McMahon. calls 911 over wrong order, Sheriff says. A pregnant Pope County woman threw a tantrum and dialed 911 over a wrong order at a Lakeland McDonald's before committing a burglary and assaulting employees, oh. Sheriff Greedy Judd said. Oh, those pregnancy hormones. Tiana Jones, 22, became upset Thursday when she found out employees made a mistake with an online order she submitted, after which employees offered to redo the order, Judd said. Video released by the Polk County Sheriff's Office shows Jones throwing cups and other materials at employees during the discussion. Before walking behind the counter and throwing more cups on the ground, Jones' sister came over and tried to calm her down. Judd said Jones then dialed nine one one on her phone. Oh no! This. <laughs> Shortly afterward, video <laughs> video shows. That Jones began twerking as she exited the of course store. She did. Wow, way to Florida. go, Jones. That is all I don't Florida. know if she was <laughs> I don't know if she was too fry short of a happy meal, or maybe she was short of a happy meal completely, Judd said, but she created a McMess. And she acted like a McNut. <laughs> but do you know what she <laughs> do you know what she ended up? A McBurglar <laughs> Jones, who faces charges for burglary with assault, disorderly conduct and criminal mischief, was arrested on Friday. That is my favorite story. Oh, it's of all Florida. Time.
0: That is Florida at its finest. Yep. All right.
1: I love Florida. Have you ever heard the expression the customer is always right? Yeah. Yeah, well, here I am. Testament.
0: last one i feel like we can all understand this one hiker lost on it's colorado hiker lost on mountain for 24 hours ignored calls from rescuers because he didn't recognize the phone number
1: Okay, we've heard stories like this, and this is crazy. Uh, A hiker who was
0: lost on a mountain for 24 hours ignored calls because he didn't recognize the numbers. The hiker was reported missing last week after he, uh, he never returned from a trek on Mount Elbert in Colorado, the highest summit of the Rocky Mountains. After an unsuccessful search of the area where hikers typically get lost, crews learned that the lost individual had returned to their place of lodging. One notable takeaway is that the subject ignored repeated phone calls from us because they didn't recognize the number. If you're overdue according to your itinerary and you start getting repeated calls from an unknown number, please answer the call, officials said. (laughs) The hikers claim they got lost when it got dark and that they reached their car the next morning. Totally understand that. Totally get it.
1: Me too. I know. It's so relatable, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, well, great. Give me a call and we'll see when all of us can get
0: together. Fun to spend some time, especially in Florida there. So the, <sighs> the moral of the story is yeah. look in the bathroom when you walk in and mm-hmm. uh, stay yes. away from pregnant ladies in Florida McDonald's. That is it.
1: Apparently, that's it. That's it. You know, Brian, obviously, we, we've we said it all week and, and we'll keep saying it. It's been a devastating week. Yeah, it's been week. something. Uh, you know, really, we went from the SBC guidepost report, all of the abuse um, news coming out to this shooting, this horrific shooting in Texas. Before that, there was the shooting in Buffalo, the shooting in Laguna Woods, California, at the Taiwanese church, the shooting in Dallas. I mean, it's just, it's been a long string of of heartbreaking things. And um, interestingly, you know, what you see, as you always see, is that people go on their social media or even just across their living room floor, across their kitchen table and argue, Mm -hmm. right. Or have a, have a hard time really staying kind and compassionate about the issue at Mm -hmm. hand and the grief at hand. And um, it's interesting because relevant magazine is asking kind of a difficult question related to all of that. The question is this, why are Americans so bad at caring for Mm. others? Now that's obviously a pretty blanket statement. There are many Americans that are fabulous at caring for others, but I think the the concept is like, what is particularly difficult for us Americans to kind of dive into compassion and not, not politicize things or, or not, you know, start, taking something like these children's death and like using them for our own exploits, our own agendas. So why is it so hard for Americans? Um, This uh, author of this article, again, over at relevant, she's going to offer five reasons. Her name is Adrian Screema. But Brian, do you have any guesses at this before we dive into her list? Why are Americans so bad at caring for others? So
0: I think if I had to go with a first guess, um yeah. the first thing that came to mind when you kind of broached that question was caring for about others and caring for others takes a lot of time and it's exhausting.
1: Mm. And
0: yeah, I have yeah. a lot, you know we all have a lot of things that we have to worry about in our own lives. Right. Like, uh, um, like, like, you know, my, my life feels really full. And so if we don't prioritize, how do I care for other people or how do I reach out to other, Mm -hmm. if we don't prioritize those things, uh, Mm -hmm. then I, they're not just going to happen. Let's put it that way. And so I'm going to start with that one. It takes time and time is, as we've said before, on the show is the number one commodity in our, in our yep. culture, right? Time. is yeah, it. So you're totally right about time. That. What would you guess?
1: Yeah. We'll have to see if time is on the list. I, for me, I, I go straight to sort of our independent individualism yeah. because it requires you giving up your own rights and your own, I would guess, go back to time, your own schedule, your own convenience to care for another person and like, I include myself in yeah. this. I don't always want to do that. Like I want to yeah. stay in my little cozy house and watch what I want to watch. And I don't even like my kids taking control of the remote, let alone <laughs> like caring for someone. Do de- you know what yeah. I mean? And so I think that's that is in us as Americans, mm-hmm. um, that individualism, like we just put ourselves first. And, and what I want matters more than what is good. I think for that's other right. People. So here here's um, here's some of the lists. Uh, why are Americans bad at caring for people? We find it exhausting. It's the first thing on the list. Relationship requires effort. Service, by definition, involves work. Mm-hmm. Serving, serving others through love requires intentionality. Helpfulness, kindness, surrender—that sounds like work. It also means listening to people. Mm. Uh, I think it's also like you were saying, it ta- it takes some of your time. What do you think about I- I that? Think one? We find I think that's it for me. I think
0: it's time. Yeah, and uh, and closely related to that is, I think as we're having to give of our time and our energy, it also costs. It, it could cost you money, like to care for somebody.
1: Yeah, that's true. To care for somebody
0: in need, a lot of time yep. comes with it. They can't yep. pay their bills, or they need help mm-hmm. with something, and mm-hmm. and so really, what you're, what I guess I we've stumbled on here, Aubrey, is you're you're tapping into two of the greatest commodities that we all hold on to very tightly: our money and our time.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, wow. I don't want to wow. give
0: my time because I want to give my time to myself and my kids and my what you know my family. Like I've yep. got a lot to yep. do, yep. and on and then um, it might cost me in other ways energy, money, other ways. Yes. So, the, you know, yes. it's it's a self-sacrificial thing that is really hard to get yeah. yourself to sometimes.
1: Yeah, it, it really, it really, really is. And especially if you're, um, you know, like money, I think is a really good point. If your budget is feeling tight right now, because of gas prices or rising prices, your kids have a lot of needs you know, that kind of makes you go, "Ooh, do I have room in my, can, you know, mm-hmm. can I give of my wallet? I think it's a really good, really good point. All right. The next one, she says, is we lack motivation.
0: Hmm. She says, to
1: be honest, I'm usually not in the mood to engage those around me. I just want to focus on myself. I think that's very real. That's like, sometimes I think if we're being honest, like, we don't really like people. You know what I mean? And so to, to do the work to love our neighbors requires like, like, uh, you have to choose motivation, yeah. right? Like you have to choose not to just do what I do, which is watch Netflix. Like you have to, you have to be intentional, and it can be sometimes hard to do that. Uh, it's
0: totally fair, right? Like, yeah. we have a finite amount of energy. We have, and we tend to be selfish people, especially when we feel yeah maxed out and we feel busy. Like it's just yeah, I don't sit around. There's not a ton of days where Aubrey I sit around and go, man, I really wish I had more stuff to do. Or I really wish I could. Right. I really wish I I could figure out a way to get more into my day. It doesn't mean I'm always doing stuff that, uh, yeah. that, that is matters or is productive. But but I'm right. never just going, right. huh? What else do it? What else could I? You know what I'm going to go to feed my starving children today, just because you know what I mean. Like right. I I, right. I so I think they're right about that. I do think they're right.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. Okay, let me read you the last three. We fear rejection. I think that one's interesting, that it does take some vulnerability to care for other people. If you get rejected, that can feel really humbling. Mm -hmm. We care about ourselves over others. You and I have talked about that. Uh, And we're afraid to fail. This author says that she's reluctant to challenge herself because she knows she'll have to keep up with it. And it's true. Intentionality means consistency. I cannot invest into a person and expect to just walk away away. When the relationship gets deep. Mm. Love is a commitment that must be kept even when it's not easy and fun. So okay, Brian, I know. I think that was a really good list. So okay, with just like a few minutes, moments left. What's the alternative then? Like how do you think we get better at being good neighbors? We've identified where we're terrible. (sighs) What's a way Hmm. we can begin to get better? I think
0: it's a I think on some level, it's just a prioritizing. It's not seeing it as an add on to Mm -hmm. my life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, when I have time, I'm going to reach out to so-and-so, or I'm going to go care for, but that our life, like it's, it's to be the folk it's to be the trajectory of our lives. So uh, I don't look at other people's needs and go, do I have time to deal with that? Do I have this or that? Uh, I'm off the clock as a pastor. I'm not on the clock right now. All of these And so I think it's a priority level. I think it's a trajectory thing that says, okay, no, no, this is supposed to be part of my life, no matter what's going on in my own life.
1: Right, right. That's good. I like that. Do it like while you're going about your life, Mm -hmm. care for other people. I think that's really good. It has been a very heavy week, Brian. Mm -hmm. And we never want to rush past how heavy things are this week. But we also do like to do some fun things on the show to make you laugh or put a smile on your face. And we all need that, I think, right now. And so one of the ways that we try to do that is through our top five list where we just come up with a category and then um, and then Brian and I come up with like our top five favorite things in that category. So first of all, it's been a while. We got to play for you our top five theme song. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, Brian. So do you want to tell the people what our top five list is? This I week?
0: love this one. It's, it's end of the school year. It's prom season. So we're harkening back, Aubrey, to those days of the middle school slow dance or the high school prom, yes, all of the yes. awkwardness and hormones and everything that come with it. Yep. And we are going yep. top five. We did say prom songs, but maybe we'll just go slow dance songs, right? Slow
1: dance songs. Yeah, slow dance songs. These were the slow dance
0: (laughs) awkward songs. When you were in junior high, you reached your arms out as far as you could. So you weren't close. And then high school came and uh, and the game changed a little bit. But uh, yes, top five slow dance songs.
1: Okay, this is, this was fun. This, fun. this was yes. fun and nostalgic to go back. All right, Brian, I'll I'll start with my number five. Cool. All yep. right. Th- uh, this is a, this is actually like not one of my favorite songs ever, but like this is quintessential slow dance song from when we were growing up. That is a song by Vanessa Williams called Save the Best for Last.
0: That is a good one. That is a good, not a on good my one, list, right? not on my list, but yeah. uh, that yeah. is a good one. Number five for me, and this is the most old school one, I believe, on my list.
1: Okay, let's uh, hear it.
0: Classically, The Righteous Brothers' Unchained Melody.
1: Brian, I'm just going to say that's my number four. Okay. My number four. It's a it's, great, a great song. And and it is really old school, but it became popular again because of Ghost. And so that's why it was playing like at our dances and our parents' dances, right? Uh,
0: agreed. Ghost uh, l- raised yeah. this to another uncomfortable level, but I would say also did the movie Naked Gun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Oh, I don't remember it, Naked Gun. We talked about ghost. this before. Yes, oh, okay. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, gotcha. Right, gotcha. So okay, so four. I just shared my number four. What's yours? My yeah. My
0: number four uh, is Journey, not Don't Stop Believing. I'm going Journey Faithfully.
1: Yeah, that's going to be on my list oh. too. That is a fantastic song. Are, are we, are song. we just that going to are we going to
0: match some of these slow dead songs?
1: We might. Write it. I like when we, we match. Are, we
0: are from the same like generation, so a lot of these songs yeah, we are, are what, what we. Uh, well, yeah. we danced in our uh, high school proms too. But yep. faithfully, yep. I still hear that and you get that music and you're still just like swaying and you're uh, like, yes.
1: You do. And you just like sing so loud. Yes. Oh, this song was actually on yesterday and I was, I was rocking out to it. That's a good song. All right. Uh, so my number three, I mean, this is a classic. Classic, classic slow dance song. That is, I will always love you. And I'm going to go with the Whitney Houston version. There are a couple versions, but it's got to be Whitney. Got to be Whitney.
0: Yes. Do you remember when that that movie came out, Bodyguard? I actually really, when that movie's (gasps) on now on TV, I'll still stop and watch it. Like, (laughs) oh, yeah.
1: I I haven't watched it in a while. Does it hold up?
0: I mean, it, it, it all depends. Movies mark. all depend what you're going in it for, right? Like, does it hold yeah, up? Yeah, good point. Good she point. still sings unbelievably. He's still Kevin Costner. I mean, yeah, sure, yeah. sure, it holds up. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Number song, three, and this is right when we were in high school. Uh, Ooh, I think this it. came out, Our my you were a year behind me, so I think this came out my freshman year. And I actually remember that because of a awkward first like dance freshman year. And I think this was the theme Uh, from (laughs) Robin Hood. Brian Adams, everything I do.
1: Brian, that is also going to be on that list. Yes. Okay. You guys, Brian Adams, uh, yesterday in the car, summer of 69 came out. And I'm like, Brian Adams is a treasure. And I have forgotten. Mm. Yes. Love I love that movie Robin Hood, and I love I that song. I won't do
0: this right now, but I could sing you that whole song. Uh, not the whole song, but like
1: everything I everything I do in parentheses, every, I do it for and he's, you. And yeah. He's got
0: a parenthesis. Yes, that song uh, yeah. is has so to be good. on every slow dance list.
1: Uh so good. All right. Well, my number two is faithfully journey, which tells you what my number one is. But let's hear your number two.
0: Oh yeah, I, I did guess your that I I did do your uh, number one and number two. Okay, uh, yep. my number two. And, uh, this one, so this was more when we were in college and I have to be honest, like, you know how, when you start dating, maybe you and Kevin started dating and you were like, we have a song. Do you know what I mean? Like, kinda,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: which I don't know that, I don't know if people still do that. That's still kind of weird, but, but. I this song came it's out, cute. and it was kind of, and so that's this is being swayed for for my uh, my wife and I now. Okay, Shania Twain, yeah. every uh, still the one. <laughs> You're still the one.
1: No, no yes, no, no. yes. <laughs> it's a great love song. <laughs> oh, You're still oh, the one. That's funny. That's funny, funny, funny. Did funny, you and Kevin funny. have that's a, a song? One. What was your song? Yeah, I mean, our song, uh, it was more like our wedding Mm -hmm. song that sort of became our song. It was the song At Last by Etta James.
0: Oh, yes.
1: It was like our first dance and then we kind of said, "Sure, this is our how's song." How's going to be? but it was like, on your
0: list then. That's like one of the most famous slow dances. Well, cuz
1: I was thinking I, I had prom songs in okay. my mind, you know what I mean? And, and that wasn't necessarily I'm a prom. I'm very
0: excited song. for my, my number 1 prom song. song because when I think right, of prom, Do you have some When I think of prom, this number 1 is going to be it. But let me tell I do have three honorable mentions. Yeah, I want to hear
1: your honorable mentions. I've got a couple too. So Let's one- hear yours.
0: Uh, is a tip of the cap to uh, the Top Gun movie that's coming out. I would suggest this, this song's a little too sexual, but it's a good prom song, a good slow dance song. That is Berlin. <laughs> away. Away. Yes. Oh, yeah. Good one.
1: Good one, uh, Brian.
0: Next classic, classic late 80s, maybe early 90s. Uh, a weird MTV video for this one. That is extreme more than words
1: oh <gasps> I forgot about yes, that one, yes. Brian. I think you might have just—they're just, They're won just sitting on stools. Do you remember that, that one? Yeah, uh, yes, More Than they words. are. That's that's a really naughty song, gotcha. actually. Like it's a lot of pressure. That song it's a it's little a bit of an abuse. A
0: pre- little bit of
1: <laughs> a little bit of an abuse song. Frankly, a
0: little too yes. a little too abusey for, uh, for yeah a prom, yeah a little too abusey for, for me.
1: I I didn't add that one on gonna my list. I'm going to go back and read. The Do you have i to
0: go back and read the lyrics because yeah. I I don't really know <laughs> it very well. Uh, last one, uh, Peter Gabriel, in your eyes.
1: Oh, that song is killer. Yes that is a good song yes. i'm sad that's not on uh, my list me, if i was redoing my list I give would put your that one all right i threw in a time after time cindy Lauper, just uh you know that would definitely have been middle school and then i actually do not like this song at all but this is my husband's favorite love song and he would have said this was our song except i was constantly like this will not be our song because i don't <laughs> like it it's it's a newer song oh, not new but like college um it's the song i'll be by edward mccain do you remember I that do. song oh, be your why do you hate this song? i hate that song why i don't know it's cheese i think just che- in general like so so cheesy but my husband loves it and so i have to have that as an honorable mention oh, but, but then
0: you have to tell everybody I'll be your crying about shoulder how much you hate it. <laughs> I'll be,
1: i think i'll be love suicide yeah, yeah, like i'm like yeah, what?
0: Yeah. What?
1: where are you going with that all right so uh we already know my number one it is brian adams everything i do i do it for okay. you okay and uh, all right, Brian, we're ready for your number
0: one is I I got to be honest, I feel like this is quintessential prom song. And uh, I feel like multiple of the proms from when I was in high school, this was like you always heard this was the theme. Uh, I, and I yeah, can't believe it, it did not make your list at all. It is Eric Clapton's Wonderful Tonight.
1: <laughs> OK, that's because I also don't like that song. It is. I didn't ask if you like <laughs> <Yes>. the song. <gasps>
0: But it is the slow dance song. It yeah, is the, that is prom the song. slow dance
1: song. That is yes, you're right. You're right. How Wonderful can't you Tonight like and, Wonderful uh, Tonight? Okay, there are just a few songs that became Uber, Uber popular back in the day that I don't know why, but just bugged me because they were so popular. Kind of like irked me. A Lady in Red, that was oh, another yeah, one of those yeah, songs. Yeah. And and Wonderful Tonight just bug to me i don't have a lot I, I it i don't have a lot of reasons except just like em, emotionally i respond to it like ew i think i just overheard I gotcha. it it played too much i gotcha. something like that but but yeah wonderful tonight that's that's a solid choice because that was like very that was everywhere that's it Yeah, ubiquitous prom song. All right. Well, that is our top five list of slow dance prom songs. If uh, we missed anything, definitely let us know. We want to know at Common Good Talk, Instagram, uh, Twitter. What else are we on? Facebook. We want to hear your song. It is the end of the show and the end of the week. And so we want to leave you with something very inspiring and challenging. This evening as you head into your Memorial Day weekend, Uh, Brian, uh, I was over on Twitter and someone who's been on the show before a friend of mine, Christine Kane, um, posted a little part of a recent sermon where she is talking about basically how to use our voice well in this day and age. Let's go ahead and take a listen to that.
0: It's so much easier to receive correction and advice when when we know that the person that's giving that advice to us actually really does care about us and that they are for us and not against us and they want us to thrive and flourish in life and fulfill our potential. And so the fact is in the world in which you and I live, everyone's got the microphone, but we've got to ensure that our desire is to call people up higher, not simply to call them out, but to call people up and to lift them higher. We want people to fulfill their God-given purpose. We want to become and we want people to become all that God wants them to become. And we want them to do all that God's called them to do. So we don't keep pressing people down and we don't keep speaking fear and doubt and negativity. We call people up high into the purposes of God. All right. So
1: that is Chris with some powerful words. Everyone has a microphone, including me and you who have little literal microphones in front of us. But all of us have (laughs) sort of metaphorical microphones right now. It is more powerful to call people up than to call people out. It's easier to call people out, but calling people up means calling them into the purpose that God has for them, challenging them, inspiring them, et cetera. I thought that was a good word for such a time as this, as we all love to tear each other down and argue. What if we were about something different as Christians? Don't Mm -hmm. you think that's a great, uh, great call for all of us?
0: Yeah, I love the reminder also that my job, your job, all of our jobs as Christ followers is to point people to Jesus. Like, That's and it. we do, in our culture, we do so much of pointing people to us. Like, look yeah. at me, acknowledge yeah. me, talk about me. Uh, we are uh, called in scripture Christ ambassadors. The job of the mm. ambassador is to actually point people to yeah. uh, the king, to point people to the leader. Like we're representatives. Yeah. We're My task as a Christ follower is to point people to Jesus. And I, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate what Christine said there because she's got an enormous platform. She has yes. a huge microphone yes. to keep the metaphor going. Yeah. She could really profit and really point people to herself. She's right. dynamic. She yes. is all everything you want to be as a speaker right. and a leader, right? Right. But she's saying we need to point people to Jesus. We need mm-hmm. to point them upwards. We need mm-hmm. to do that rather than point them to ourselves or yes. tear them down. Or the next yeah. I, I think it is what I'm hearing her say is take seriously your call. Uh, as an ambassador of Christ, as a representative yeah. of Jesus, yeah. that ultimately my job is to say, look at him, not look at mm-hmm. me, but look at him. I think it's a great reminder.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think the other the other piece of this I thought was interesting is um, she starts out by talking about how it's easier to receive criticism from someone you know cares about you, that like someone mm-hmm. – e- That person is concerned with calling you up and inspiring you and like pointing you to Jesus. Then when they have a challenging word for you or like maybe they want to hold you accountable for something, you actually want to hear it because you know that they've actually cared deeply for you. If you're being criticized, ridiculed by somebody who's just like a rando, uh, somebody on social media or I don't know, your someone randomly comes up to you, you're not gonna wanna hear that because there's no emotional or relational investment at all. And so mm-hmm. I think the other the flip side of that is a good word for us. Like we don't need to be the people that have to say something about everything online and have to criticize everybody that we think is doing something wrong or saying something wrong. because if we don't have the authority in their life, if we don't have the relational credit, if we don't have the um, like long-standing relationship, they're not going to hear. And frankly, our words don't matter. But if you're mm-hmm. in relationship with someone where you're actually about encouraging them, like you said, being Christ's ambassador to them, pointing them to Jesus, then when you have a challenging word or something you need to confront, it comes across as actually meaningful because you've done the work to earn that relational credit. So I think like that, it there's a, there's two sides to this. Be someone who uses your quote unquote microphone, whatever, you know, metaphorical mic you have to encourage people up, but then don't use it just to call out random strangers on the internet because that's Mm. in no way, shape or form helpful, or in no way does that actually point people to Jesus.
0: Right. That's a great reminder of relationship and using, building in, taking your time to build into the people that you're in relationship, taking time, To build into the people that God has put in your pathway uh, as opposed to like you said who can I rip online who can I critique who can I tear down or whatever Mm -hmm. else it might be I think that's a great call like yeah use your relational capital use the people nearest to you um not use them, but but invest in those yes. relationships in yes. such a way that that you are making a long lasting difference. So yeah. I, oh man, a good word. That's challenging because we yeah, do. I think it, we spend a lot of our times critiquing and whatever else it might be. We people do. who we don't even know and will never yep. have an effect on or on yep. us.
1: Yep. It's so true. And, and And I'll just say this too, like as someone who's had the opportunity to spend some time with Chris Kane, there are a lot of women like me who like she doesn't have to give time to, but she actually is very intentional about doing practicing what she's preaching, calling people up. Like there are there are women all around the world who are just like local church planters, local leaders, you'd never even know their names that she's encouraging by calling them up and also challenging like hey you know, are you writing an emotional wave online right now? Or are you being steady and laser focused on Jesus? Like she does that in her personal life and her professional life. So this is not a segment about Chris Kane, but just to say like, here's somebody who's practicing what they preach. And I think that's a good example for all of us, especially in this day and age. Let's call people up, not just call them out. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us today. Brian and I will be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend.